Obviously. On the prompt. Maybe Apple could charge people to use their dock on the bottom. That's just as heinous. <laughs> You're funny. Welcome to the prompt. A weekly panel discussion on technology and the culture surrounding Apple and related companies. It is February 5th, 2014. Welcome back to the world's greatest podcast. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined, as I always am, by Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good, Mike. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And Federico Vatici, welcome back to the show. Hello, Mike. How are you? I am very well. Did I say it was episode 34? I'm not sure if I did. I think you did, yeah. That is the episode number, though. You were really, I could hear it in your voice. You were very much concentrating on the date. (laughs) So many Fs and THs and... Yeah, it's a it's a it's a literal landmine, landfield mine, field of landmines for you. It <clears> is <throat> a field of landmines for me. Hey guys, <laughs> hi buddy. I think you had your own there, by the way. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, thirty four. We're mm. middle aged. Yeah, pretty much. I still consider myself a teenager. You know, That's, well, you are I in life, a... basically. <laughs> I had a birthday. You did. Happy birthday! Thank you. 26? That's correct. That's why I'm, this is the I, first I thought, show I've done this week. I'm happy. I thought you were 17, Mike. Um, only to you, Federico. <laughs> okay. You know, it's, it's funny. We've gotten a lot of flack over the last couple of weeks about our ages. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, some tweets about how none of the prompt guys were alive when the Macintosh was introduced. Yep. And I think, uh, you know, Dr. Drang greeted us as boys, and John Syracuse said that we were youngsters. So... Mm-hmm. You know, that's whatever. That's Sorry, cool. everyone. We'll keep aging. We'll still be podcasting <laughs> when you guys are all dead. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> A Should field of landmines. Let's start over. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, just keep going. Time for some follow-up. 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 Yes. Follow follow We're reaching way back in the past, and I don't know if anyone remembers, we talked about some photo management. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> oh, no. iOS in the car, um, which... We talked way back when with uh, Casey Liss. Um, there's some more details kind of coming out about that. It still really isn't a thing yet, um, but in the iOS, apparently, according to this link, it... Say what? Who's Casey Liss? <laughs> um, exactly. Uh, iOS 7.1, apparently in emulation mode or something, you can see iOS in the car, and it's pretty interesting probably NDA breaking whoever did these screenshots, but um, there's a report over on Autoblog about that, including a little YouTube video. So you can kind of see that Apple's taking the iOS 7 interface and like making it, you know, kind of tweaking it and changing it for use on car screens. I think it's, I think it's really interesting and I hope Mm. that it goes somewhere. It feels Um, like it should have done already. Yeah. WWC was a long time ago, but you know, I know (laughs) that there is that the idea that um, I guess car design happens slower, right? So, Oh yeah, like they're yeah, like they're working on things for two, three, four years down the road. They can't just like, hey guys, we're gonna drop this in. It's a very yeah, you know, it's a slow process. There's a lot of moving parts. Um, so maybe one day, one day soon. I, I just I just just hope that it's gonna you know come to you to Europe because this stuff usually starts in the U.S. and then we we gotta wait like months before we get this kind of because I'm like I'm thinking of the. Uh, the automatic, uh, like the little gadget that you 
you connect to your car's engine and you get like status codes and for you know engine errors and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and w- i cannot use it i can i cannot use it on, on my car because we uh, in, in in italy we we have a different connection kind of thing that connects to, to a car's engine i'm also pretty much ignorant about this kind of stuff so yeah, uh, I, I, I have an old car it, I, and by old i mean it's like seven years old so it doesn't have a fancy display or multi-touch thing so i I just don't know how this initiative is gonna play out for me unless i get a new car well you could write it off as a max storage expense yeah like like i should get a a bmw or a mercedes and and yeah just don't get it in white don't buy a white car just wait for the (laughs) i-car and then you know mike Hi. Can we can we ban you from the call for a little while? <laughs> uh, we have some more <laughs> some more follow up about iBeacons. Uh, remember we talked about that a while back. No. The little Bluetooth. <laughs> I don't guys. remember. When did we yeah. talk about that? <laughs> I don't know. Months ago. I don't even know. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, the Major League Baseball Association, something. Um, oh, not a Stephen. really baseball guy, huh? I, I, I was just despairing at you. Sports ball. Oh, yeah, we uh, <laughs> they are according to Mac rumors rolling out thousands of iBeacons uh, for opening day at uh, stadiums and ballparks across the country, which I think is really neat. And I think it's you now we talked about like iBeacons is cool or whatever, but we don't want it to be limited to just retail. Like, yeah. um, and this is you know could be an interesting case of like they could tell you where things are in the stadium. They have some screenshots like. You know, special offers like, hey, get $2 off a hot dog. I can tell you, like, where your seats are in relation to where you are. Like, really, in my opinion, like, useful information, not just a, you are looking at an iPad. iPads come in three sizes, you know, like, really IRL stuff. But I wanted to point out something. If Will you guys check out this Mac Rumors link real quick, mm-hmm. Mike and Federico? Yep. Yeah, I you know. You notice anything about, about the screenshots? See. About halfway down the article. Oh, 20% battery life. Yeah. Oh, God. Screenshot Patrol is mm-hmm. on the case. Interestingly, there's a common thread in this week's follow-up. They're both follow-up items for shows that I was not on. The two episodes that I've not been on. Just hmm. random fact. So can, can I can I add a few thoughts about the iBeacon stuff? Because I have thoughts. Can I share them with you guys? <laughs> Please. I think that's what this is all about, really. Okay. So um, Keep them to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know of, of a few museums in Italy that they are kind of rolling out iBeacons. Um, they're not, they, they haven't shared the, the, this initiative officially yet, but I know that they're going to deploy iBeacons. To, and I think that the implementation is very interesting. They're basically using these uh, little devices to monitor the way that people walk around in the in the museum and kind of the, the the stuff that they check out the most during the day. And they also they're also able to, I guess, understand the kind of device that each user uh, is. Uh, you know is has in the, in their pocket or purse or something so they they can see for instance how many iPhone 5 users go check out I don't know some painting or how many iPad users go check out another uh, thing in the museum so I think that's a, 
that's a very interesting idea because it, it, it basically gives them the possibility to aggregate stats about visitors without, you know, major privacy implications, I think. But, and I know because I was told that they're also going to try the, the, the most obvious uh, feature, that, which would be to present information through a dedicated app as yeah. soon as a, a user, uh, I'm sorry, a visitor, not a user, <laughs> as soon as uh, as a person walks up to some, you know, to a painting or a statue or something, uh, they get a notification uh, with more details about mm-hmm. the, about what they're looking at. So that's kind of obvious, but um, I, and I was uh, I was shown over email this um, mm-hmm. screenshot of a of a of a program that they wrote to generate a. A heat map to to see where visitors walk by in the museum, which was super cool. Oh, that's really interesting. I guess yeah. for the for the visitors, it's like a an expanded audio tour, right? You can get yeah. more information from the phone and connect it to for, the internet. Yeah, for 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 the visitor, it is a it's a a media, uh, you know, kind of media enriched approach to to visiting and to knowing more about what you're looking at and for the organization is a way to understand better how they could you know move stuff around the kind of interest that that that, that, i don't know maybe uh, a room about you know nature gets during the day or during specific times of the year it's really interesting basically stats about people walking around your building Mm -hmm. cool yeah I also wanted to ask a question about baseball to Steven. <laughs> I don't. I can't help you. <laughs> no, because I know that the I can try. like the baseball league. It's called the World Series, and yes. the, and the football. When somebody wins the Super Bowl, you say that they are the world champions. That's so true. why do you use the 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 world terminology when he, when it's just for the United States? Are there countries of, of outside America. of the United States? Yes. Yes. Interesting. <laughs> it's a couple. Uh, I don't know. Um, because America is self-centered. We'll go with that. Okay. okay. And, I mean, so I think, and really, I think, I think my answer is right. But I also think that, like, <laughs> baseball doesn't, it sort of is, exists outside the United States. But, like, baseball as a professional sport is mostly inside the United States. But the, the idea is, in the competition, only... American teams can enter, but yet it's called the World Series. But there is nobody else in the world that has a team that can play. That's uh, probably true. So I have a couple of a couple of items. Um, last week I said that when I was talking about my love of beats and audio, I was saying that on audio I couldn't um, go to an artist that I have in my collection and play all of their songs. Well, it turns out you can. Um, at BorumNet on Twitter told me that what you can do is you go to the artist's page on audio. So you have to like hold the artwork, go to the artist page, and you can start an artist radio station. It's not very intuitive, and it's still kind of not necessarily what I want because I believe it plays all of um, that person's it plays all of sorry all of that that artist's music which might not necessarily be what I have in my library I might only have three of their four albums for example um, so there's that and then uh, Carl Seth Gray 
Kyle's the Grey. <laughs> exactly, yes, Kyle the Grey. <laughs> the wizard himself has, has uh, come back and he's told us about a fitness app because we were talking about having a fitness app, right, that would shout us or something. Yeah, it would make fun of you. So, like, Federico is, you know, as useful as a log today or whatever it was. Well, an app has come out in the App Store, and it's actually doing very well in the App Store. It's called Carrot Fit. Now, I remember there was, like, a Carrot To Do application, which is kind of similar like this, where it kind of just treats you mean to keep you keen. Yeah, it's by the same developer. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, basically, it calls you fat and stuff. So I'm, I'm not sure that I could, you know, use this every no. day because no, I, I would feel I so bad yeah, yeah. to do application probably... I can deal with if it just tells me I'm lazy but if it yeah, if me you fat, tell me, I'm not if up, you but... tell me I'm fat I'm gonna probably smash my iPhone that was and one I... of the reasons I stopped using the Wii Fit because it's like you're overweight and it makes your little me character get fatter if you put on <laughs> weight so it's kind of Seriously? like yeah I, I, I do remember that like you oh, see sorry. them get sorry, bigger sorry Stephen we were talking about games sorry Stephen <laughs> We'll move on. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to give a quick, uh, a quick follow up to follow up about Beats. So I've double, signed up for double follow up. A double follow up. Yep. I've signed up for Beats. Um, basically, anybody listening who lives outside of the United States that may have found a way to sign up, if you just use the numbers in your postcode or zip code, it works. Maybe. Actually, no, it doesn't. Um, I've cancelled my audio account. Whoa. I really do like Beats that much, but I have seen reports of this, and I'm not sure if it's affecting me. Um, so, Federico, I'll ask you: Have you noticed a decline in your battery life since using Beats on your iPhone? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Because and, and, I th- and that's a known issue, and they have sent Apple an update because I saw a reply on the on the Excellent. on the support forums about it. So, yeah. Cool. That's the thing. I have to keep signing in and out of my iTunes accounts to check for updates for Beats. If people could just tell me, oh, this is a bad idea. If people I would could just tell, tell you, me when there's an update, that would be great. Because then I could just sign. I will tell you, Mike. You're Thank my you. friend. Thank you, Federica. Uh, it's just because I've also been using my Pebble this week, and I wasn't sure if that it, what it what it was that was causing. Well, I have seen my battery life decreasing, and I wasn't sure if it was Beats or the Pebble. So yes, my Pebble still has arrived. I want to spend a bit more time getting to know it um, and use it. So next week. I'm going to be giving my full review and impressions of the Pebble Steel. Shall we move on, gentlemen? Yes. I want to take a quick break to thank our first sponsor for this week just before we jump into our topics for the week, and that is our friends over at Squarespace. Oh, Squarespace. How we love these. Squarespace, they are the all-in-one platform that make it easy to create your own website. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TallyHo. I'm going to say 2. Yes, TallyHo2. It's February now. So Squarespace are always doing great work. They're making sure that their platform is up to date with new features all the time. They're adding new functionality to Squarespace and improving the stuff that's already there. They've recently overhauled their page building system, layout engine, and they're always adding new stuff in. You look at their commerce platform, for example, they're always adding new features into that too. And it's been opened up even further to more countries around the world. So if you want to sell something online, Squarespace are the platform for you. If you want to make a blog, they're the platform for you. If you want to make a portfolio, if you want to have a site for your business, they can do it all. And they do all of this in a beautiful environment. They have these beautiful, fantastic-looking templates 
templates and designs. They're always adding new ones of these into and tweaking and updating them to make sure they look even more fantastic. And they have great support and they've recently beefed up their support staff even more. I've already mentioned the templates that they have and they're, they're really fantastic to look at. If you go to a Squarespace site, they look unique. They don't look like just a, a website that's been taken off of a shelf. And this is also in part because you set your layout how you want on the page with their drag and drop functionality, but you can also change fonts and colors and stuff like that to tweak it to really give the site just your own touch. They take care of hosting, they take care of SEO, and they give you a responsive web design template all out of the box, so your site's going to look fantastic on any device. Squarespace have over 70 employees dedicated to customer support on their customer care team, so they're ready for you with any questions you have just in case. They have iOS apps, they have Squarespace blog and Squarespace metrics. One allows, Squarespace blog allows you to post to your, to your site on the go. You can view comments and stuff like that. You can also add drafts, schedule posts, and Squarespace metrics allows you to see all of the analytics and KPIs for your websites too. As I said earlier, you can try out Squarespace for free. No credit card required to do this. And if you decide to sign up, then what you want to do is use the code TallyHo2. It's T-A-L-L-Y-H-O-2. That's going to get you 10% off and support this show. Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month and include a domain name for free if you sign up for a year. Thank you so much to Squarespace for the support of 5x5 and the prompt. Don't forget, TallyHo2 at checkout. And we're back, gentlemen. Hooray. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hey, Federico. Steven, Steven uh, why are you sad? Like existentially or in related to this next topic? If you want to talk about <laughs> both, <laughs> listen. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm pretty good overall. So we've talked about Evernote before on the show. And with iOS 7, Evernote had a big overhaul. We talked maybe, what, a month ago when there was the, kind of that thing, the CEO came out and was like, hey, we know the product has issues, 2014 we're, you know, focusing on the apps and making those better. Part of that, uh, a new version of Evernote for iOS dropped last week. And um, we got a couple links, um, Federico, about the new the new version. And then your kind of, I really like this article, by the way, um, kind of a review of Evernote in iOS 7, sort of kind of how you're using it and, you know, your thoughts of it overall. Um, and I, I really like the update. I like Evernote for iOS 7, like the update last week, but I, along with a bunch of other users from to kind of digging around the forums, um, we're still experiencing issues with it. And, and my particular issue is I go into the notebook list and I tap a notebook name and the app basically freezes and freezes in a way that you don't see on iOS very much, like the full blown force quit the app go back into it and it might be okay. Um, sometimes you got to do it a couple times and it, I can get around it. I can search for a note name. I don't have a lot of stuff in Evernote. I mean, I actually just imported a lot of stuff last night. I mean, I've got 310 notes, you know, it's not, not crazy. I think F Federico, you told me in, over I am how many you have. It's a billion. No, it's, it's um, 2,300 notes kind of. Yeah. But I know people so have like 10,000 notes in Evernote. Sure. I mean, some people, like, I use Evernote for a very particular type of thing and have stuff in Dropbox that could go in Evernote but doesn't. Um, but it's kind of disappointing to me. Like, I know, like, like I get it, right? Like, 
you're you're working on your product, you're making it better, and I'm all for that. And I think that he was very honest in his letter, and we can we can dig up a link to that. Yeah. I think it was really well done. I've always been a fan of um, of the Evernote management because they're, they're just open. They're like, hey, we want to be a hundred year company. We don't want to get bought. Like they just seem like just dudes that you could go talk to. Um, but it's also frustrating as a paid service and like the app should work better than it does. And, but my experience has not been yours, Federico. It's been, it's been fine for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and in fact, I think that your issue, it's, you know, it's very weird because I, you don't have so many notes and, and the app definitely shouldn't freeze when you tap on a notebook's name. That's very strange. And I, and I have no idea what, why it's happening for you. And I can see why you're sad because I mean, just tapping on a notebook's name and, and the app freezes and you gotta, you know, force quit it and, and relaunch it. It's not yeah. a good experience at all. But but in my experience, the app has been, you know, faster because they reworked the, the sync engine a few weeks ago. So they kind of made, made it like four times faster than yeah, before. Yeah, the, sy- the sync is like lightning fast now. Yeah, and now it's really fast and and the new the new app update it's really nice in my opinion because you can customize the home screen so you can drag these little widgets around like uh, I put my shortcuts at the top of the screen and then I I put my uh, my notes uh, right below the shortcuts so I can just go to my inbox which is my top shortcut or I can tap on the most recent note that I was editing to to go back to it. So I think it really makes for a nice kind of multitasking experience. And I, and I like the new light and dark themes for the home screen. Mm-hmm. But 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 your problem that's really not good at all. And and <laughs> and have you tried to send some I don't know support email or something? Post on the forums maybe I don't know. It just sounds weird. Yeah, I mean I haven't. No, the short answer is no. I, I've poked around the forums a little bit, um, but I have not contacted them. And, and I mean, like, I haven't even reinstalled the app. So, like, I haven't done the things that, like, I, as like, a former tech guy, would be like, what are you doing? Don't complain until you do these things. But, and I, I, I cannot believe I'm going to say this, but, like, I understand where Mike's coming from about not wanting to restore his phone, right? Because, like, yes. you shouldn't. Um, I still think Mike's wrong because that's a ridiculous thing to mm. do. I'm not saying I'm not being ridiculous, but, um, you know, it is a thing. Hmm. You know, I've been, I've been using Evernote a lot lately, especially because it's great for, you know, gather research material. Mm-hmm. But what kind of uh, sucks for me is that I cannot do that research on iOS. I have to use my Mac, and especially I have, I have to use Chrome on my Mac, which is not my main browser anymore. And I'm basically using Chrome just to watch uh, YouTube videos that I cannot watch in Safari and, uh, and for Evernote, for the Web Clipper, because I was getting a lot of issues with the, with the Clipper in Safari. So hmm. the Web Clipper for Chrome is fine. The Safari one, it basically made my safari beach ball all the time so oh, wow. uh, and uh, yeah that was not good <laughs> and, um, <laughs> no that's I, not not what you want no and and i cannot do research for with a browser on on my ipad so if evernote 
is working on anything new for the iOS app. I hope it's some research feature to, you know, just maybe just select text and collect links and maybe save images from a from a browser view on on yeah. the, on, on iOS. Yeah. And and I do want to say, I mean, Federico, you were on uh, episode 175 of Mac Power Users this week and you you talk you talked, you spoke, you were spoken about the uh, I'm so tired. Uh, you spoke about some of your frustration with Evernote on iOS, and mm-hmm. part of it is like they can't run a web plugin on iOS, and maybe mm-hmm. a bookmark that's not powerful enough. But I, I would like them to, you know, even if it's an in-app browser, um, yeah. that they kind of bake that stuff into, because I, I that's actually one reason, like I've kind of re gone back to Evernote for some stuff. Um, I used it a lot in my former job because I, I had to keep, keep up with just a lot of data. Like a lot of, it was very much like a personal wiki for me at my former job. And I don't really need that now. Um, but I've kind of come back to it. And, and actually one of the things that brought me back to it was this show that I have a notebook of prompt archives and I just web clip the five by five page for every episode. So it's really hmm. easy for me to go back and like search for old links that we talked about or like, Oh, that's smart. That's if a nice I really, idea. <laughs> If I really wanted to like figure out what episode we talked about iBeacons on, like I could go to Evernote and search for it, and it would find it. And because you share that hmm. notebook with me, uh, yeah, I could just do that. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, here, tell me your Evernote share address on the air. Um, but it's it's you know the web clipper is really nice, and actually, I was very curious about how they were storing it. So like I actually found the note in Finder and like kind of looked at it, and they're storing the images and everything in your database. So it's it's like a full functioning HTML page and like the five by five CMS could be blown off the face of the earth and my archives still be good. So hmm. um, it's pretty cool. I use Evernote really for, for kind of one, one purpose these days, which is travel. There's nothing better for me than Evernote when it comes to traveling. Cause I could just email all of the stuff that I need in there. Like, so I can put my, um, like my confirmation of my flights, my confirmation of, of or any travel, co- confirmation of hotel. As I'm looking around and maybe finding places that I want to go, I can just email them all to Evernote. I can go in there. I can have the, the I have all my notebooks to download automatically. Um, it's just, it's. I just find it perfect for that sort of stuff. Like, I I use it for some other little bits and bobs here and there. Like, if there's something where I'm like, I need to make sure that this is always going to be there. So, like for example, I don't know sizes for someone like for gifts or whatever i could put them in evernote because i know that that's a place i would always go to look for that sort of thing but when it comes to traveling that's when i use it the most because it's for me it's just perfect to just email stuff into there clip like web pages of um restaurants or stuff that i want to check out and and like maybe itineraries of of different museums and all that sort of stuff. It all goes in there and I can download it all to my phone. Then I don't need to be using the data when I'm abroad and stuff like that because it saves everything in there. For that sort of stuff, I think it's... I have not found an app that works as well for me as Evernote in that sort of scenario. Yeah, I agree. That's a great use case. And um, there's a bunch of them. There's some, some books by some of our friends about Evernote that we can dig the links up too. Yep. Um, but and the, the offline stuff really is nice. And, and, you know, there's a hundred different ways to use it. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of like, I mean, Federico, you spoke about this on MPU. Like 
there is sort of some feeling I have of like, I want my stuff in plain text, but like I can't clip the five by five, like a, a show page from the five by five CMS into plain text. Like <laughs> not really, you know, um, mm-hmm. and so for that sort of stuff, it really is great. Like I'm not writing articles in it, but I might do research for articles in it because I can just clip Wikipedia pages or, you know, old Apple knowledge base articles or whatever I'm doing and, and have it all in one place. Yeah. Mike. Yes, sir. Why are you sad? Um, well, I think it might be best if you guys talk about this first and, and then I can sort of chime in at the end because... Okay, but before we talk about it, yeah. Mike, yeah, I am bringing you good news because oh. I'm your friend. Uh-huh. Just a few minutes ago, uh-huh. Stephen noticed that the Beats Music app was updated with uh-huh. a battery fix. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, so you spoke it to us. Yeah, you spoke about it, and their developers heard it live, even though we don't stream the show live. So, thanks NSA. Mm-hmm. They fixed the bug. <laughs> they shipped it to Apple, and Apple approved it. So thanks, the, the power, the power that you hold. I mean, Mike, you say that your iPhone crashes, and 100 million iPhones crash around the planet. It's that really is, amazing. <laughs> it is kind of uh, this power that I wield is kind of intimidating, but. <laughs> It's <laughs> no problem, everyone. I'll use it wisely. Um, so there's a, a what we're talking about is Unread, which is a new RSS client for iPhone by Jared Sinclair. Jared uh, has written several really well-received apps, including Repost and Whisper, which are a set of apps for um, the app.net social network. And uh, actually, funny story, Jared used to live up the road from me just about three hours before he moved. And... Um, Super nice guy, and you know we we're fortunate enough to kind of like see apps where they come out. So I think all three of us beta tested this, and um, I think Federico and I both came to the same conclusion that it's really good. In fact, it's so good that um, it's knocked Reader off of our home screens on the iPhone. Mm-hmm. And and I think you know I think for me at least, and I wrote a little bit about this, but if you look at like screenshots of my iPhone home screen from four years ago, it's basically the same. Like. Like I've used Instapaper since day one. I've used, you know, I'll, I'll change a weather app out or something every once in a while. But my core tools that I use on my phone have really kind of settled down. And, you know, I used Reader since, you know, the first version, you know, years ago. And it was just Google Reader, like before all that that craziness. Um, but like a lot, I mean, Federico, you, you've spoken about this especially, like, a lot of apps who have taken their time getting to iOS 7, and Reader did have an iOS 7 update, but it's a little weird in places. iOS 7 has given um, developers an opportunity to create something new, to take something head-on that was once a market leader and upset that. And I think that's what Jared's done with this app. Yeah, I agree. Because um, for me, the, the feature of Unread that really stood out was... Um, background refresh for uh, you know for rss items and i just love how i can wake up in the morning and open the app and find new articles already downloaded by the app and just waiting for me whereas with reader i had to you know refresh or wait for a refresh every time i just think that unread is um is the kind of app that it took a while it wasn't ready for the iOS 7 launch in September. 
it took a while to complete, but I think that the the extra time was totally worth it because um, you can see that it's an app built with an understanding of iOS 7 in mind, not just a, a design trend, but you know the way that uh, that Unread uses gestures, for instance. You can operate the entire app with one hand. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to tap any buttons. You you just can swipe to activate sharing actions or to mark items as read. You can. I just think that everything is so smooth and and fast, and I, and I love the the fact that unlike Reader, I can open a link. In a, in a in a built-in browser, and then I can go back to to the to the main list of RSS feeds, and then whenever I want, I can just go back again into the browser and and see what I was look what I was looking at and about to read. And the sharing menu, I I find it superior to to Reader because it's got support for drafts. It doesn't have all the weird old services that Reader still has. Um, I, I I think that. It pays off to wait, you know, kind of understand where iOS 7 is going. And you can see that Unread is an, is an app that makes sense just on iOS 7. Whereas Reader still doesn't have background refresh. It's still got some iOS 6 elements, even though it's, in theory, it's ready for iOS 7. And, um, yeah, I've been using it a lot. I, in fact, I prefer to check RSS on my iPhone now. Uh, even when I'm on my Mac, I still think that on the iPad, Mr. Reader is basically unbeatable for me because, you know, all the custom sharing actions that so you powerful. can create. Yeah, it's, it's crazy powerful. It can be overwhelming yep. for a lot of people. And, you know, I just think that this guy did a great job with an unread on the iPhone. And, uh, and I know, Mike, that on the other hand, you don't you don't like it so much. Maybe I don't know what. What are your thoughts, Mike? Share share your thoughts with us. Um, yeah, let's balance it out because I know Stephen, you you probably have some nicer things that you want to say. I mean, I I, <laughs> I I like the unread is 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 everything that I you know like in this kind of application. You know, I I for a while have been using reconnaissance, and and I still use that. That's my app of choice. I like it very much. Because um, it's kind of different, and it's really, it has really, really excellent uh, feeder angular support, which is my RSS backend syncing system of choice. It just does things in a new and interesting way, but more than more, it gives me all of the features that I want out of an RSS client. Um, now, there's something that I find lacking in Unread that I find very difficult to explain so Stephen, i know that you've been able to and you might be able to help me with this but mm-hmm. there's there's kind of one of two things that, that i want to be able to do when i'm reading rss um i i either want to be able to have a chronological list of all items in a certain folder so for example in in feeder angular smart stream so i might want to go to my tech news um smart stream and have everything chronological from newest back to oldest from all of the feeds that I have in that stream or I want to be able to and and reader did this um 
you would press, for example, like the unread count rather than the name, and it would then break it down again. So it would take from that smart stream, it would expand and show you all of the feeds that are in that stream that have current unread items. So then you could go into each one. So for example, if I went into blogs, instead of just clicking it and it's showing me a story from Steven, two stories from Federico, one from Steven, one from Max Barkey or something, I would be able to press a button and it would break those out and show it like five, 12 pixels, Max stories, Max Barkey. And then I could go in individually and read each one, pick and choose as I went around. Right. Or the alternative of that is just to show me a list, and this is what reconnaissance does. It has the smart streams, but then it just shows me a list of all of the feeds, just in alphabetical order, that have unread items, instead of showing me a list of everything, whether it has unread or not. And that's what the app Unread does. It it doesn't allow me to break it down in any way, in any sort of order, when clicking in either in the name or the little unread icon, and then um, uh, like sort of, you know, you have 12 unread items. And then below it, it just has a, a chronological, oh, sorry, an alphabetical list of, of every single feed. Right. Right? Yeah, so I use I use Feedbin um, as my backend. And it, it gives me a couple different options. And I think, you know, talking with, with Jared and, and some other people, it seems like he's just treating Freed Wrangler a little bit differently. So I can... Go in, so I have you know folders. So I can go to Apple News, and I can either select to see, you know, um, MacWorld has three articles, Mac Stories has four articles, Mac Rumors has six, or I can tap the button and just see the unread items themselves, which is yeah. what I want. I don't, I know what feed it's in, like because it says it right there. I don't, I don't want to see that view. I want to go blogs and see all the unread items within there. And so I think there's some discrepancy in how the the individual services are, are treated. And, and I wanted to back up a second too, Mike, if that's okay Please. about the, about the, the in-app browser. Cause I think Federico, I think you and I had a misunderstanding the other night. Like um, actually kind of behind the scenes, like, you know, when, when we get to review apps like this, um, we can't publish our review until the app's out, right? Like a, it's mm-hmm. usually bound by an NDA, but also like, where are you going to link to like, Hey readers, check out this awesome app. Oh, BTW, it's not out till next week. Um, and so I actually wasn't home and the app dropped a little bit earlier than I thought it would be. So I like raced home and like, like standing in my kitchen, pulled my laptop out and published the post, which is all very exciting. Um, and you and I, in that window of time, we're talking about the browser. And I think the idea is great. The fact that the browser, so like in TweetBot, um, if I click a link that Federico tweets, uh, it opens in the same pane in TweetBot 3, which is really nice. But then I go back to the tweet list, and that browser history is gone. Like, the the browser is very transient. It's very temporary in most yeah. iOS apps. And what I like about Unread is, like, I can be reading something and then come back to it because there's a persistent state, but it, that it, it stores that history in there. And I think that's great, and I think... Maybe I was unclear in our conversation. I think that the idea that the browser is sort of a separate entity within the app, like that's that's one of the best ideas in the app. Okay, but, because I called you, I called you insane for not. Yeah, attacking. yeah, and so <laughs> and so I actually I actually went back and kind of tweaked my review a little bit to make this a little more clear. My only problem with it is that it feels really slow. And so if I have an article of The Verge loaded in the browser and I'm reading my list and I click, oh, I want a link that Federico linked to that's going to go to Engadget. 
open the browser and I see the Verge article for like two seconds and then mm-hmm. it loads in Gadget. And that's just a, a detail. I mean, speed up your app, like super air quote, somewhere Jared is dying. But that's the part that I don't like, that it does feel slow. And Sean Blanc uh, noted the same thing in his review. Um, but Federico, I'm with you. I actually, like, I really, RSS has always been a, a core thing that I do on my iPhone. And I do RSS more on my iPhone than anything else, even the iPad. And the gestures and everything are really nice. One thing I will disagree with you on, though, is the the sharing. So Jared and, and um, uh, somebody else, my, my brain just blanked. Who else does Overshare Kit? Justin, is Justin Williams? Justin, somebody? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have Overshare Kit, which is this toolkit they built, and you can go download it from GitHub and put it in your app. Um, and it's just a, a more visual and more powerful way to share. Um, so if I want to share a link or a story out of Unread, uh, instead of the standard iOS share sheet, which in iOS 7 got a big overhaul, I get Overshare Kit, which is it's really powerful. And like one thing I love about it, uh, you can if you tweet it, it will like pull an image from the article and attach it to your tweet, and you can shorten the link and everything right there. But every time I open it, I feel confused for like four seconds because the UI is different than the normal share screen. And like that's not a mm-hmm. that's not Jared's fault. Like it's well designed. It's just it's so similar but so different at the same time. It's like an uncanny that always kind of get hung- type thing. Yeah, it's like oh that oh wow look at all this stuff this does, yeah. and that might take just me more time you know yeah. more time in the app and like he's bringing it to a couple other apps i think and i've heard you know things other developers are going to be using it and it's really nice because you get much more rich sharing and i think it's something apple should look at and and evaluate i think the whole sharing thing in ios is seven is too simple but it it's just something to be aware of that it's a little unstandard it's better than the standard but it, there's kind of a learning curve to it so my problem. Yeah, did you, sorry. Did, did you have anything else that you wanted to add to it? Uh, no, you should go buy it. People should go buy it. I, I have think- something. I have a quick something to add, and, and maybe Stephen will hate me for this. But am I am I weird for not using unread counts and folders? I, I basically just go to to the unread section and scroll <laughs> how many really feeds do you subscribe to like a hundred that's yeah, about yeah. what i do i like i just like it because L- like i don't i don't do the okay so i got x items in my apple folder and i got these other items in the in the tech news folder I just go to the general section and just scroll from right. newest to oldest. I'll do that some. The reason I've got folders is because I might not always have enough time to read 200 things. And so mm. the folder I start at is called Writers. And so it's guys like, uh, you know, Gruber, Marco, um, Federico, you're in there. It used to be in Apple News, but then I was like, oh, that's dumb. You're you're a writer. Like you're more than just churning out stories. Like you're doing actual really cool stuff. And so moved you into writers, guys like Sean. Um, and that's where I'll start most of the time because like I read Macworld and things like the verge and like sort of more generic broad spectrum tech news, but I'm really interested in seeing what my peers and what my friends are talking about. And so that's usually where I'll start if I have a limited amount of time or if like today I haven't even opened RSS today, like is Apple still in business? They could have been out of business and I don't know it. Um, 
I guess we'd be talking about it. It's a bad example. So, for instance, like I know Twitter had their call today, like their quarterly results. I have no idea how they've done. And if I were interested in that, I would go to my general tech news because chances are Gruber hasn't linked to that. So I kind of view it as use it as a way to like get to where I want to go in any particular moment. That's exactly how I use it, which is why I want to be able to <laughs> to use it, to use it that way. To use it that way, which Unread doesn't do for me. I don't, you know, I don't know if it's something that that Jared will think more. I don't know if I'm the only person that gave that feedback. So maybe you know, it it doesn't make sense for him to look at ways of changing it. But because it would be, if if, if there's something that's different with the way that underscore does something with smart streams, I don't I don't know if it's a technical thing. Um, or, you know, I don't know. I don't, all I know is the app is really cool. I have bought the app as well because I want to support Jared because I actually do think that the app is really nice. It just doesn't meet my needs. But anyway, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I don't even read RSS on my iPhone anymore. I just read it on my iPad because as good as any of these iPhone apps are, they're, mm-hmm. not, they're, they're not Mr. Reader powerful. They're just not. Yeah, that, I mean it's great. We should we should dub up up up. We should uh, hit Mister Reader as a topic some point in the future. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, but I think I think Federico obviously knows it a lot more than me. But um, I think it's it's people that don't use it should check it out. But it is daunting. Should we take a quick break and then we have a an interesting topic to discuss? Does that sound good? Yeah. Do it. So I want to take a moment to thank our second sponsor for this week's episode, and that's the fine folks over at FreshBooks. Are you still using Word or Excel to create invoices? Do you use a shoebox of receipts to keep track of your expenses? Well, you should be saving time and getting paid faster with FreshBooks. They are the easiest way to send invoices, manage expenses, and track your time. FreshBooks is the simple cloud accounting solution that's helping thousands of new entrepreneurs and small business owners just like you save time billing and get paid faster. With FreshBooks, you can easily create invoices online, capture and track expenses on the go, and get real-time business reports with a few simple clicks. I want you to go and try out FreshBooks right now, and you can do this for free if you sign up today at getfreshbooks.com. But here's a really awesome, tasty, delicious part. FreshBooks is doing something special for listeners of The Prompt. Every day, they're giving a birthday cake away to somebody who signs up for a new account from this show. For your chance to win, just enter The Prompt in the How Did You Hear About Us section when signing up for your new account. With FreshBooks, every day could be your birthday. So go to sign up right now at getfreshbooks.com. Thanks so much to FreshBooks for their support of 5x5 and the prompt. Okay, so I want to talk about something that's kind of, it's been spoken about in a few other places, I think, and it's not specifically new, but it's kind of just something for me. Now, we all know that that I'm kind of not the pro user, so why would I ever want to think about buying a Mac Pro? That's basically the discussion that we're about to have. So I think it might be good if I kind of frame why I'm thinking about this, um, and then we can kind of talk about it. A little bit, and Stephen, you can maybe try and help me come to some sort of decision here. Mike, so, I would. Th- if there's anything I've learned about the prompt, mm-hmm. is it that it's basically therapy for the three of us? Especially why do this you week. assume? Yeah. Why do you assume that Stephen is going to help you? Because you're right. Because the, the pro- because the because you went on Mac power users and talked about the iPad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Federico, I, Federico I will just say, I will take be. the money and buy 12 iPads and just tape them together and, and use those. 
I yeah. will be the Casey for this segment. Okay. All right. Get drunk and be angry. So, Mike, what, Mike, Michael? Yes. What is on your mind? What is on your mind, son? So currently, the the way the way that this show is being recorded, I have a Mac Mini, which is my production machine. Um, my mixer goes into there. I have one Mac Mini at the moment, and uh, I record everything onto there. And it's like the archive before things get backed up, that type of thing. Everything just goes on there. It's how I've been recording for for quite for quite a while now, actually. And it's a hard drive. It's, it's a it's a spinning disk. This is coming away from. I used to have an iMac which had an SSD. The iMac died, and then I moved to a MacBook Air to record shows on, but didn't want to do that in the long run. Um, so I still miss using an SSD for this sort of production because it is so much faster. My computer that I use, I use a Retina MacBook Pro uh, that doesn't get involved in any of the editing or anything like that. It's just my computer that I use day-to-day and also while we're recording the shows, so the Mac Mini can do its thing. Moving on into over the next few months, I'm going to be uh, looking at the way my studio, in inverted commas, is put together, and I want to boost it a little bit. I want to start using multiple um, Macs for, for calls and stuff like that, because everybody goes in on one Mac at the moment, which is not the pro podcaster setup, and I want to have multiple Skype machines and stuff like that. So I need to, personally, I feel like I need to look at a beefier um, computer in the long term. So something that's got a, a pretty sizable SSD, some real good um, processors. <laughs> I know I'm. I know that sound. I know I know what to say there, but it was just how it came to my brain. I need a beefier processor, and just uh, as it's going to last me longer, and I, need, I want it to last me in the long term, and it's got to have decent IO as well. I want to make sure that I've got enough connections so as my studio goes, I can keep adding more and more things potentially to this computer or it have ports which will allow for good expandability, so potentially Thunderbolt and maybe some other bits. So my options are twofold, I I think, uh, at the moment. I'm either going to look at a a 27-inch iMac or a mid-range MacBook... uh, Sorry, Mac Pro. (laughs) Mm Mid-range Mac Pro. Now... Stephen, you have configured this into US dollars, which is not useful for me. So, but thank Just you for add doing a, that. Just add a one. <laughs> That's all <laughs> it takes. So basically, to get if we look at um, a twenty-seven inch iMac with all of the specs to sort of go to a mid-range Mac Pro, which I don't even know if I necessarily need mid-range, but we're looking at twenty-six hundred dollars, and then a mid-range for the iMac and a mid-range Mac Pro is forty-eight hundred. So yeah, and it's not me. apples to apples. Like no. three point five inch or three point a three point five inch iMac. <laughs> a 3.5, <laughs> it's not about size. A three point five gigahertz iMac. Like those processors while the same clock speed. Um a three point five inch God Lee, three point five <laughs> gigahertz Mac Pro. Um you know, you're looking at six cores, you're looking at, you know, better caching and that sort of thing so the processors on the mac pro are going to be better um the ram is going to be a little bit faster and better it's ecc ram on the mac pro um i think the machines i configured for you in the show notes the imac is a one terabyte fusion drive which i'm really might not be the way for you to go actually because i mean the way a fusion drive works if you remember from science class 
um, the OS and apps are on the SSD, and then OS 10 sort of figures out what you use a lot and puts it on the SSD. But you're creating, you know, new logic files every week, and they're mm-hmm. big. And I would think that OS 10 would have a tendency to put those on the hard drive. And so you might not even, like, yes, it boots really quick, but editing is still, you know, based on spinning disk, which is disgusting. So um, I've I've actually configured. I've I've brought up the UK Apple Store, and I have a save. I have two saved items. I have a 27 inch iMac which has a 3.5 gigahertz quad-core i7, 16 mm-hmm. gigabytes of RAM, and 512 gigabytes of flash storage. Okay. And then I've compared that the same. So I have a 3.7 gigahertz quad-core on a Mac Pro, 16 gigs of RAM, 512 of flash storage. So the 27-inch iMac is 2,082 pounds, and the Mac Pro is 2,349 pounds. Hmm. But then so- obviously... I would need a monitor as well. Yeah, so there's definitely that expense to think about. You know, you need a display, you need a keyboard and mouse, like Dimac comes with that stuff, obviously. Um, what What's much more interesting to me than the specs, which, again, while on paper are basically the same, but the Mac Pro is going to be better, um, is the GPU. And so the high-end iMac comes right now with an NVIDIA GeForce GTX 775M. <clears throat> I practiced that. I know that with well. A, with a, yes, that one. Oh, with a, that old. <laughs> <laughs> with two gigabytes of, of video RAM. And obviously the Mac Pro, right? Like the It's got two beefy um, GPUs in it. And mm-hmm. I think it's a misconception that I keep reading. I keep like hearing people talk about like, oh, they can drive a lot of screens. Like that's totally true, right? Like, but one of those GPUs is really for computational power and um, logic pro has not received the same update type that final cut pro did. So final cut pro was updated to do 4k and a bunch of stuff. And in there they were like, Hey, you can split off a lot more to the GPU now and it can actually render things a lot faster because it's using processor and the GPU to solve problems, basically do math. That's all this is. Um, and Logic has not received that sort of update yet. So Logic Pro would be faster on a Mac Pro than an iMac, but it's because the Mac Pro's baseline is better, but not phenomenally better, at least until if and when they update it to you know, be able to do more GPU-intensive uh, things. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like, I have no doubt Apple will do that, because that's the future. Like, you know, If you look at CPUs and like, I mean, just go to Marco.org. I'm sure there's an article about CPU on the homepage right now. Like, <laughs> Marco's really chronicled this over the last three or four years. Where like, even like these Intel Xeons, like these are the best chips Intel makes, and uh, they've kind of like f- plateaued. Like, they're faster than they were two years ago, but they're not substantially faster. And, and basically, it becomes about adding more cores, and that's where you can do like I think you can do a 12 core Mac Pro. Um, and it becomes more about parallel computing you know, going 80 miles an hour, eight lanes wide, as opposed to 124 lanes wide. And so the GPU comes in and, and that's where really you're seeing a lot of these strides happening uh, with things like um, OpenCL and Grand Central Dispatch and all this stuff that Apple really put into OS X and Snow Leopard and really paying off now. So I think Logic will get that update. And so it's kind of like, is this an investment in the future? Like this hardware is not super useful today, but it could be in a year, it could be in six months, however long it takes 
you know, the four guys on Apple's pro app team to get around to like, oh yeah, we built logic. We should update it. Um, and so that's just a, you know, for me, Mike, today, I would say buy an iMac. Um, I know there's still, you still have some concerns, but I think mm-hmm. just like brute power, like how much computer can I put behind a problem? I think the iMac's probably a better deal for you, at least until logic is updated and it makes a little more sense. I intend to want to have this machine for like six, seven, eight, nine years. Um, that's a that's a long time. Nine, you know, nine years. You know, I'm just saying. Like, I want it to stay around for a long time, and it seems like Mac Pros do that. Like, it seems that people that we know that have them have had them for like a long time, and they just are these workhorse machines. I mean, obviously, these are the old Mac Pros, right? So. Who knows what might change? Yeah. You but know what a, came out five years ago? <laughs> the twelve the twelve inch power book. <laughs> you know you know my, my what I'm trying to say, right? I yeah, no, it's an the, investment. It's not a Mac Pro is not something you buy like every, like, every like your years. Mac Mini that you're using, you bought when you were here, right? Mm-hmm. Don't tell the British government. Um it it's what, two years old now? Mm-hmm. A year and a half old? Like if you got rid of that next year, like no one would bat an eye. Like, oh yeah, he used a Mac Mini for three years. Like Yep. What else? Like it's you know now it's a media server, um, but a Mac Pro. Even even though it's not you know three times what the iMac costs, like it is a much more serious investment. And so I totally get I totally get what you're saying. Um, There's something I, about I/O as well, which yeah. What's up with the audio stuff? I saw you tweeting about that, and then Dan got onto you like, mm-hmm. what? Uh, so what happened um, there? The the Mac Pro has dedicated audio in and audio out. Um, the iMac and all other Macs um, have uh, they have one port which can serve as both. Um, it, it can do it's it's basically you can plug your iPhone headphones into it and your iPhone headphones will recognize in and out. Right, that's kind right. of the way. That's the kind of the reason, in my opinion, why Apple do this now. Works with the iPhone headphones, therefore it's perfectly fine. Why would you ever need anything else? <laughs> yeah. Um, and there are there are items like the uh, Griffin iMic. It's not me, everyone. It's a thing. It's spelled differently. Um, that can take <laughs> USB and give you... So from a USB connection, you can get audio in and audio out. But there is something for me where I'm kind of like, I want it to be built into the machine, not as a USB attachment. And I know that this is this is like one of those things that I am renowned for, that I am stupid about. Because, But it, there's something <laughs> about that where it makes me uncomfortable that if I'm relying on audio in and audio out, I kind of want it to be baked in as part of the machine rather than an adapter. Yeah, because it's a $40 USB thing. That's like, just this thing. If, if, if I some, get it. I don't want yeah. that ever to blow up halfway through an interview, and I don't right. know. Like, I, I am much more comfortable with using that in it. Of course, I will be using um, a Firewire mixer, and my Firewire mixer will need to go into <laughs> a Firewire to Thunderbolt adapter, but there's yeah. literally well, you say, nothing you just I say- can do. <laughs> You just save yourself a lot of email, like, why does it yeah. use Firewire? 
There's literally um, nothing I can do about that. I do use the FireWire mixer, but there will be times where I might want to use the audio in and audio out. Considering I do audio, I kind of want to have as many of those input and output methods as there are possible for me to have and use. So that's one thing for me, which is it worth an extra thousand pounds? I don't know. I haven't made that decision yet. Everybody's going to tell me no. But if I land some insane guest one day and my Griffin iMic blows up, it's going to be worth that thousand dollars to me. Like if I, I don't know who, let's say I get Johnny Ive. You never know. <laughs> it could happen. And mm. I have one chance with Johnny, right? And the iMic <laughs> Don't we up. all? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get it. Like, I, I get it, right? I mean, adapters are gross or whatever. Um, but I think it's not just about that, right? It is about, like, it's an investment. Like, if you buy an iMac, you want it to last four or five years, right? Like, you're setting up your studio to, like, be what it's going to be for a while. Um, I still think I, I would still vote iMac probably for you, Michael. Um, but if you bought a Mac Pro, I wouldn't berate you about it. Yeah, probably. Um, just, also, as well that I know it's it's becoming less and less important, but the Mac Pro has many more I/O ports just in general. Oh There's, yeah, you can go crazy. Yeah, um, and I know, of course, that you can daisy chain and all that. I get that, but there again, there is still something for me that if I'm plugging things in, I I kind of want them to be in the, the the machine itself. I don't know why. I just feel like that to me that feels like less less points potential points of failure. Um and doing the type of stuff that I do, I kind of want to feel comfortable in that. Um because a lot of the stuff that, that I do cannot be reproduced. Like it just can't. Even if you go and do the whole thing again, it's not, not the same. same. And so there is I, I just want everything to work. And of course, I can then have other machines. So like for it, eventually, I will have a Mac Mini that just, I know that, that Dan does this, it basically just records everything that's being recorded. So it's like a backup machine. So I can do all of that, but I still need a base machine. And there is something about an iMac to me. There is obviously some stigma that I'm attaching to it. That the iMac just doesn't feel like it would be that. It, the iMac feels like to me something that I would still be replacing every couple of years. Where if I had yeah. a dedicated Mac Pro, it's going to stay with me for some time. And I honestly believe I would save money over the next five years if I bought a Mac Pro because I'm not going to replace that. And I know what I'm like. I will replace an iMac because <laughs> yeah, they will a, release one. Crumb. They will release the Retina one, and then I'll replace the entire computer, mm-hmm. which I don't need to do. Yeah, and that's that's a really interesting thing. And I've thought about that. Um, uh, a good bit. I mean, the iMac, when it came out, if you remember, Jobs came back, he canceled basically everything the company was doing. And he had a grid of four products. He had consumer, and he had professional, and there was a desktop and a notebook for each. So it was the Power Mac, now the Mac Pro, and then the iMac. And what has happened over time is that the Mac Mini has really taken over the consumer spot, and the iMac, if you look at it historically, the iMac is, um, like, they're still using notebook parts in there. Like, don't, I know, don't email me, like, it's notebook stuff. Like, I get it. But it's much more powerful in relation to the Pro line um, than it it used to be. And it's, um, 
so I, I do think like the idea like oh an IMAX like a consumer machine it's like what I buy my mom like to have in her home office like yes like I would um, but I buy the low end because in the high end they are really really powerful machines but I definitely think there's still some of that connotation like the IMAX not a real workhorse and I think that's wrong but the Mac Pro is the obvious choice if like you're trying to solve that mental dilemma yeah and and I know it's kind of insane like you know do you buy because of the mental dilemma and it's not because of the as I, as I mentioned it's not because of the mental stigma that I'm attaching to it it's what then I know my purchasing habits will be past that point and the only reason that I would buy an iMac over a Mac Pro now is to save money now but I think oh, it would cost me more money in the long run yeah hey Federico hey guys Oh, he, he like literally walked away. <laughs> yeah, he was he was laying down. <laughs> yeah, I was I was listening. Just uh, at first, I kind of tried to play Flappy Bird again. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't get it. I just think it's a bad game. It's my problem with Flappy Bird. That was my weekly pick. No, I'm just kidding. My problem with Flappy Bird. I just is that it's not Retina, right, so, is it? It's not Retina. Yeah, it's not Retina, and and every time you lose, which is very likely because. My main problem is that the collisions are so bad. You, yeah, you, yeah. It's not like you, you go against a, a pipe and you die. Even if you get a millimeter close to the pipe, you die. Yep. I, I just think that this guy made a bad game. He just di- he didn't know that, that he was going to blow up for some reason. And every time you lose, I was saying, every time you lose, you have to kind of tap Three times to play again because you have to so see all the ads. You see all you see all the ads, and I just don't get it. So this, this kid the, has got like three games in the top five. Yeah, you know them. this this kid, The Verge, just posted an article a few minutes ago. He's making uh, fifty thousand dollars a day with Flappy Bird and the ads. What? So angry. Yeah, but so- he, I remember like <laughs> I saw another thing that he was kind of like please media stop contacting me like yeah <laughs> people won't leave him alone <laughs> yeah so uh, i was saying at first i was playing flappy bird for like for the first few minutes i was listening by the way mm-hmm. uh, and i think that you and i think that an imac is an awesome machine mike but my knowledge stops there and um so and now i was playing punch quest you know the game yeah good game the iphone mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> why are you laughing it's a good game <laughs> i just i i, I love the love that you're playing guys. games when we were recording the podcast, of course yeah, was. because I I, do, I don't have opinions about the Mac, the Mac Pro. And so I mean that's what that's what I was getting at, Federico. Like, I mean, you use a MacBook Air, is that still correct? Mm-hmm. Like, what's left yeah. of your your MacBook Air like keyboard doesn't work right? Like, it's a completely <laughs> busted machine. Uh, yeah, it's missing a letter. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you have this like uh, like sketchy MacBook Air. I mean, so when that machine dies, which, by the way, like it's from our conversations, it's, it's probably time to re- replace this computer. Like, what, what, I mean, Federico, like, are you just going to buy another MacBook Air? Like, does the idea of a desktop computer even make sense for you anymore? No, 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 no. I, I don't, I don't want a desktop computer anymore. In fact, I have an iMac, a 2011 iMac. I, I never use it. I'm just going to sell it. And the ne- the next Mac I I'll have to buy because I don't want to buy a Mac. I'll have to buy a Mac when this one becomes too slow or it breaks down completely. I don't know. Uh, it's gonna be a, a portable Mac. It it doesn't it just doesn't make sense for the kind of lifestyle that I have. Uh, you know, I'm I drive 
uh, from Viterbo to Rome and vice versa a lot. And, you know, I'm, I don't always work at my home slash office. And um, I, I, need to, I need to have a computer that follows me. That, mm-hmm. that comes with me, you know. Maybe I'm on vacation, or maybe I'm I I don't know. Maybe I'm just not home. And um, a desktop Mac, I I would appreciate, I guess, the power for uh, gaming, because one thing that my current MacBook Air doesn't give me it's good performance for games. I would like uh, a Mac Pro <laughs> just for games, you know. And but but then again, if if I had to. If I had to, to get a, com- a desktop computer just for games, I, I would probably get a Windows PC for games. I, I would, I would, you know, just look around at parts and, and try to figure out how to build a computer with, like, insane performance and, and just use it for games. So if I, when I'll have to buy a Mac, I will get a MacBook. Cool. Because I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need a desktop Mac. Yeah, I mean, the desktop is definitely fading way like we have a mac mini at home but it's hooked up to a television and like my wife sometimes uses it for iphoto stuff which seems crazy to me because it's hooked up to a tv but um like her kind of main computer around the house is like her iphone or ipad and you know i've got a 13 inch macbook air from work and it's definitely like i mean i use it i'm recording on it right now like you know i I treat it as my personal machine and you know if i worked from home like if i could write 512 and like do this show for a living like i i, I might have an imac like in my office but chances are i would buy an air with a display and and just again you said it so well like a computer that goes with you is is definitely what people want so you know the mac pro i guess you could fit into a backpack or like a what do they call it like a <laughs> like the thing like the macintosh carrying case yes oh i have one in this closet in this room actually um or like uh ladies um or like what is the thing like you put your baby in and it's like sits in on your chest you know like a it's like a strap oh yeah yeah you know what i'm talking about <laughs> like a baby uh, mac pro yeah I don't yeah know, you just I put don't the know. mac pro in there i keep going to apple stores and looking at the mac pro as well i, I haven't seen one, one because person. our apple store doesn't have one they're good looking machines very very good looking machines well it looks like a trash can yeah just gonna, just gonna say it. it's basically a trash can by Apple. That's beautiful. Of That's fine. Beautiful, me. powerful trash can. Yeah. So, Michael, mm-hmm. I think you still have to tell us about something awesome that you know. Yep. Before we before we we drive into the sunset of this episode and <laughs> do our last topic, <laughs> let me talk about a new sponsor. And it's Clean My Mac 2. Clean My Mac 2 is an ingeniously simple yet surprisingly powerful application to keep your Mac clean, organized, and free of files to slow it down. It's simply the best app for cleaning up your Mac. We all know that Macs are simple, so Mac cleaners should be too. With Clean My Mac 2, you can scan every inch of your Mac with just one click. Automatic Mac cleanup algorithms will then select only the files that are 100% safe to delete, so you'll never have to worry about the wrong files being erased. Not just system junk, but also large files you've forgotten about or haven't opened in a while, such as movies, DMG files, and unpacked archives. It finds them all. Their built-in data filter makes finding and removing these old, boggy files a simple task. It even has iPhoto cleanup, which is something that's really cool. Every time you change an image in iPhoto, its modified copy still appears in your library, and the original is hidden by iPhoto. 
Well, Clean My Mac 2 finds those hidden files and lets you remove them to free up really valuable disk space. Their uninstaller makes it easy to do a complete uninstall of the apps you no longer need. So these are apps that are maybe no longer in the Mac App Store. Um, or those that are no longer compatible with your Mac. It will find those too. It also identifies those annoying leftovers of previously removed Mac applications. Clean My Mac's safety database are a set of rules and exceptions that they use to properly clean up junk files without doing any harm to your system. This feature is basically their know-how, and they've been building it for over five years. The safety database is something which really makes Clean My Mac 2 stand out among all other cleaning apps, making it really safe to use. If you'd like to read more about this feature, they have a fantastic blog post that explains it, and we put a link to that in the show notes. So, go to macpaw.com slash cleanmymac, that's M-A-C-P-A-W dot com slash Clean My Mac to find out more about Clean My Mac 2. And thank you so much to them for supporting the prompt and 5 by 5 So we have some picks this week. Weekly picks. Yes, gentlemen? Yes, we, yes, have we picks do. picks this week, do we? Yes, good. We, we, have, we have picks. We have picks. Besides thoughts, we have picks. Stephen? Yes. Please go first. So mine is... Uh, it's actually a couple of apps that work together uh, called Xscope, uh, done by the guys at the Icon Factory. So Icon Factory is well known for things like Twitterific. Uh, and of course, they have a, a design shop as well. They do icons and and stuff. And, and Xscope is really useful if you spend a lot of time uh, developing or designing on your Mac. So by trade, I work at a, a, a digital agency. We do a lot of website design and development. And Xscope lets me uh, measure things on my screen with rulers. Uh, they've got some guides. I can make sure things are lined up right. I can see the space in between items. And basically, it's an app that that kind of has a it has a, a window that sort of floats over your display, and you can turn on tools as you need them. And what's what's really nice um, is they have a, a helper iOS app, and and what this guy does is help. Um, Basically, it mirrors uh, an iOS app on the Mac, and so you can see. Um, or I'm sorry, I got that. I said that sentence backwards. Um, you can see what's on your Mac on, on iOS, so you can see how things work on the different size displays. The whole thing supports Retina, which is actually a very big undertaking for them because, um, depending, Mike, you know, as a Retina MacBook Pro owner, like Retina is actually like three or four things, and there's different settings, and to figure all that out. Uh, was a bit of a challenge for them. Like, it just there's a lot of work in there, and they they did it, and it works really well. Um, but if you spend a lot of time, you know, on on the Mac creating graphics, creating websites, you know, whatever it is, it's a really nice way just to check little dimensions and little things here and there. And uh, I use it quite frequently. And um, the uh, the Mac app is, I think. Uh, 30 bucks on the Mac App Store, or you can buy it from them directly. And then they've got the iOS app as well. Cool. Federico? Uh, my pick is uh, an iPhone app, and it's called Touch Counters. And it's a really simple utility. It's, it's basically a counter for the iPhone. You just tap the screen, and the app comes up. And you double tap or swipe, and the app counts down. And it shows a big number on the screen. So one, two, three, and so forth. And um, the reason why I needed this app instead of, you know, all the other counters that, that you have on the App Store is because I wanted to be able to have 
multiple counters on the screen at once. And uh, I ran into this, this problem when I was compiling my list of uh, must-have apps for last year. So in each category for Mac and iPhone and iPad, I have sections. So uh, I had apps for work, apps for music, apps for, you know, uh, utilities and weather, that kind of stuff. And for each section, I wanted to be able to count the, 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 the items that I, that I had included. So I, uh, you know, I, I've been looking for, for the kind of app when I was... I was looking for an app like this when I was compiling the articles and, and, and I didn't have one. So I basically created a text file in TextEdit and just counted manually. With touch counters, you can open uh, a sidebar, which by the way, the app is 99 cents and and it's got some like visual bugs, like the sidebar has some icons that are not... Uh, optimized for the retina display mm. which is weird because it, i mean it's been like four years but anyway you can you can, no the reason why i really like it is that you can you can put up to four counters on the screen at once so you have four like uh rectangles uh you they uh, each one of them as a as a color so you can tap on the screen and you and you count in in a counter you you tap on another corner of the screen and you and you tap and you count uh in another counter so you can you can have multiple counters at uh, at once and um and it's really convenient for me because uh i often need to you know to to have different sets of counts for like the same article or the same uh research that i'm doing and this app is pretty convenient because I, I can have you know two two counts at once and, and and I'm happy and it's 99 cents it's got some visual stuff that needs to be fixed it came out just a few weeks ago so maybe the developer needs more time and uh, yeah that's that's my pick cool so my pick this week is an interesting one I think um, I don't necessarily know if it's the kind of pick that people would expect at this type of uh, event as it were it's Foursquare um, I've been using Foursquare for some time, like since I, well, I first started using Foursquare when it launched in London, however many years ago that was. And originally when Foursquare came about, at least for me anyway, it was kind of just like a check-in thing. So it was kind of like a game. So you would check in to try and become the mayor and then that was really cool. I kind of moved away from Foursquare because I didn't really understand why I would continue doing it. I got bored of it. You know, like like all those sort of games, I got bored of it. However, recently, in the last few months, um, I've gone back into Foursquare as I'm trying to I'm trying to find out more about the city that I live in. Find out some of the cool places to eat, cool places to drink, cool places to go. And Foursquare is is naturally perfect for this. And the reason that I wanted to pick it was because I don't necessarily know if people think of it like that anymore these days, especially if, like me, you used Foursquare when it came about initially, you may have kind of overlooked that it does this. So basically what I do now is if I want to go eat somewhere, I'll pull out Foursquare, see what's around me, see how it's rated, or maybe search a keyword. I want to find some, a good coffee place. I'll search coffee and it will show me within a location and by rating what are the good places. I was just in Glasgow for a couple of days with my brother and I found a couple of cool coffee shops and a really nice burger restaurant through Foursquare. And they were pretty hidden and he lives in Glasgow and didn't know about them. So we never would have found them if, without me using Foursquare. 
Um, and I've been using it a lot recently for this sort of thing. And it's had uh, they they had an iOS seven redesign recently. Uh, like they did like a secondary one. Yeah, you, you, I've seen a lot of apps do this. They have their iOS 7 redesign and then they actually sit back and think, right, how does this actually work here? And then they do it again. And they did that. And the app looks fantastic. It works really, really well. And it's, I'm finding just a lot of use for it. And not even so much because it's a good app. It's what this app is enabling me to do, which is to actually do something that I really want to do this year just to find out a little bit more about London. So Foursquare is perfect. If, like me, you've overlooked it for this sort of stuff because you haven't really considered that was the kind of app that it was, that's exactly what it is now. So Foursquare. Cool. See, there was a good reason, I think. Yeah, because you're basically going out for drinks and (laughs) you need an app. Nice. Hey, you understand. Hey, yeah. I sure do. Although Federico knows all of the cool places in Italy. I do? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. So that's it for today's episode of The Prompt. If you'd like to find out if you'd like to find out about all the things that we discussed today, there is our usual long list of show notes, which you can find over at 5x5.tv slash prompt slash 34 for today's episode. If you'd like to find us all online, there's a few ways you can do that. First off, you can you can follow the prompt. That's at underscore the prompt. On Twitter, I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Federico is at Fetici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And Stephen is at I-S-M-H on Twitter. Stephen writes at 512pixels.net. Federico writes at maxstories.net. And I do a bunch of other, I hope, entertaining podcasts on 5x5, which you can find at 5x5.tv, which is obviously, of course, where you can find this beautiful show too. Thank you so much for our sponsors for this week, Squarespace, FreshBooks, and Clean My Mac too. And we'll be back next week with another episode of The Prompt. Until then, bye-bye. Arrivederci. Adios.